0: Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. My name is Jonathan Hodges. For those of you who don't know me, I'm your token French-Canadian hoser, who's a little bitter about Tampa taking the cup last week. Yeah, $17 million over the cap, but it's okay. All right, here we go. Love your enemies. Just kidding. Um, this thing, is there a thing that can keep this? It always falls? All right, let's do this. It kind of looks nicer than, you know, it shouldn't fall kind of thing, this one. looks All right, well, while all of you were, well, a lot of you were out last week celebrating July 4th, we started a new series. And uh, I'm sure, how many of you just like love fireworks? All right, it's a new thing for me. It's a new thing for me, but it was pretty intense last week, just like enjoying fireworks until three o'clock in the morning, just going off over, over my house. But hey, anyways, but while you guys were all out having fun, we started, uh, we started in week one in a new series, in a new place, in a new space, and we're calling this series, And the Thing After That, and this sort of speaks to what comes after salvation for us as followers of Jesus, what comes after, um, after salvation as we grow in Christ together. And Ryan sort of spoke about this last week, but today we are in a moral crisis, both in the church and in our surrounding culture. And many say that religion is dead, but in actuality we are more religious than ever. And only the altars have become cash registers at the mall or digital shopping carts left and right ideologies, consumerism, politics, economics, social media, mainstream media are becoming the stories that shape the way we worship, think and love. And the issue is all these worldly vehicles may unearth conversation. They largely and for the most part don't help us as followers of Jesus to get more skin in the game or become the body of Christ or be shaped as a people who look more like Christ. And the thing after that, we're sort of diving into virtue. And virtue, as Paul describes it, becomes the thing after salvation, before morality, and all of those rival stories, that invites the local church to become more like Christ. And last week together, we explored part of the ethos of our church or the character of City Beautiful Church is to continuously ask these three questions Who do I belong to? Who am I really? And what am I here to do? So it addresses the question of, ident- of intimacy, identity, and purpose. And it was just amazing to kind of navigate through those three questions with our community group out in. In Conway last week, it really kind of gripped the hearts of us, and we were just talking about, you know, what is, you know, what does it mean? Who do I belong to? Who am I really? And what am I here to do? And these three questions should prompt a lifetime of discovery as we participate in the mission of God, or participate in Christ, in the body, and in the thing after that framed by virtue. So that's what this series is sort of headed, this map that we're heading in. So I want to just read our, or plant ourselves in back in the letter of Colossians, we're going to plant ourselves back in the letter of Colossians. So we're going to read in Colossians 3 verses 12 through 14. It'll be up on the screen. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion O Lord of my struggles, God of many battles, you were there, hidden in the night of my pain, shaping me in the fight, blessing me in the dawn of a new creation, opening new horizons across the river, unraveling new paths to live and breathe fully alive, bearing with joy the wound of your love. Amen. 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 So today's map is compassion, mercy, and the tender heart. And when this was the audible that was called by Ryan to kind of bring me in to play out this this week, my wife and I kind of chuckled because marriage will do special things to your heart in light of these three things, compassion, mercy, and the tender heart. And in fact, it's been a very wild week or a couple weeks for our family and, and, for, our, and for our marriage um, with our grandparents, or my wife's grandparents have been in and out of the hospital, uh, needing a lot of care and support, um, prayer company, managing our energy and respective workloads, emotions. Um, it's just been challenging to kind of stay tender-hearted and all that, and compassionate and all that, and even merciful in certain moments um, with each other. But you never really uh, you never really understand a person until you climb into their skin and walk around in it. That's a quote from, from William O'Malley. But today I kind of want to um, I'll be up on the screen, but the general statement for today is to become a compassionate and merciful people we must welcome the work of living into a new heart and a new spirit with those around us. And compassion as being mindful or growing familiar with the sufferings or difficulties of others, and mercy as bringing someone relief or forgiveness from something maybe unpleasant, and despite them maybe even being undeserving of receiving it. Both these virtues, in their fullness, compassion and mercy, are relational, selfless, and other-oriented in action and experience. And although living into a new heart and a new spirit together grants us all the freedom to learn, grow, and become a compassionate and more merciful people, It requires a personal decision to welcome the work of fidelity. That word fidelity came to me this morning, so I just added it. After welcome the work, it was actually period. And then I woke up this morning, and it was like fidelity, right? So it requires a personal decision to welcome the work of fidelity. So this morning, I want to release a specific appeal to you to provoke relational growth in allegiance to King Jesus. All in allegiance to King Jesus is sort of our banner for the year as a church. A kingdom-shaped relationships that probe into a relational depth that realizes a greater unity for the things to come. Where we as a body of Christ choose the way of relational refinement by faithfully sharing in our life experiences, successes, shortcomings, sufferings, personal, societal, that can in turn reveal a collective response to these things as the children of God. Paul describes it like this to the church in Corinth. It'll be up on the screen. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And I believe the invitation to become an increasingly compassionate and merciful people involves growing in these three areas in no specific order of process so we'll get caught up on process i got to do this first second third in no specific order of process our posture our affection and our participation see every morning we could wake up and choose to be tender hearted We can posture ourselves with a tender heart by receiving the mercies of God that are are new every day. It's like everyone's favorite verse, right? But like, what does it really mean to receive the mercies of God? Or in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies up as living sacrifices. We, our response to receiving the mercies of God is carrying ourselves with a tender heart, to be aware of the Spirit's invitation that we've received this mercy, now we freely share this grace, this love, this mercy, to be other oriented with everyone we lock eyes with. We feel moved. Because we posture ourselves in this way, we feel moved by the entire human experience and what it entails. Whether big, small experiences, big like big problems, small problems, whoever we lock eyes with matters to God. And we feel moved by the entire experience if and this is where affection comes in. The love of God moves us. Jesus was moved with compassion for the crowds who were distressed. He had compassion on a leper, two blind men, the widow in name. Jesus' compassion is his response to the suffering and poor and oppressed of his time and context. And we carry, we carry that mantle right now with everyone we lock eyes with. We take active steps in this whole process of carrying ourselves with posture, affection, and participation, we take active steps to become and reveal the character and nature of God in the world. And Ryan and I were kind of talking about this and likely a lot of this, we experience the affection and the posture even as we participate. We grow as we participate. So we, as we participate, we discover. And to faithfully live into these three areas isn't an easy mandate, nor is it one we're designed to fulfill on our own. No one has ever drifted into spiritual transformation alone. And this pocket of believers was brought together for a purpose. And listen to this quote by a gentleman named John Mott. Our lives are not made stronger by traveling along level, easy roads. It requires obstacles and mountain climbing to call out their strength." Great human needs in complex situations liberate apathy or dormant energy and above all lead Christ followers of different affiliations to see how necessary they are to each other to sink minor differences to discover essential unity and to present a united front. But compassion and mercy or virtue altogether, but today it's compassion and mercy, specifically in the West, has tended to escape us a little because our culture has sort of co-opted these two things onto the individual over embracing the beauty of how other-oriented they are, interdependent, or shared experience-based. That was for you, Cole. Shared experience-based they are particularly when it comes to spiritual family. We come into fullness in these ways as we participate, right? As we participate, we discover. We become a more compassionate and merciful people as we participate. The fullness is revealed as we engage together. On many occasions, I've often placed myself in the position of being the entitled one. And I have a tendency to subtly steal the moral high ground in my relationships as if my conclusions or my convictions, you know, give me, you know, give me entitlement to be the compassionate or merciful one. But this, brothers and sisters, reveals the powerful vice of individualism, self-righteousness, pride, and arrogance. Don't take the high road, take the low road. We've bought into the lie that these virtues are mere individual achievements. They are not. And according to Paul in Colossians 3, our key passage, true compassion and mercy are sourced out of perfect unity. Together, they point to the communal nature of Father, Son, and Spirit operating in perfect unity. So I've come to realize, and needed to kind of turn from my old ways of thinking that compassion and mercy you know don't belong to any one individual they don't belong to me or you they belong to God Father Son and Spirit and when the Spirit inhabits our relationships or a way of life or a way of thinking he shapes us to become increasingly compassionate and merciful people not by self-assertion but by self-denial so we must receive reclaim and be shaped in the fullness of these virtues by making every effort to maintain unity of the spirit and this is a profoundly other-oriented discipline or an other-oriented way of life Think of it like this. These virtues are gifts given to us from the Father, hidden in Christ Jesus. The absence of their fullness instigates a hunger within us that provokes us to participate in the hard work to bind, heal, and reveal God-breathed relationships in our world. So 15 years ago, I underwent full replacement knee surgery after... A snowboarding accident and it was a clean fracture of my tibia plateau. It required a full reconstruction of my left knee to make way for brand new marrow, brand new tissues and brand new ligaments and post-surgery in the healing process these tissues and and ligaments needed to mend back together to bring unity in my knee and it was likely the most painful enduring process that I've ever been through in my entire life. But not only was the physical pain extraordinary, but the psychological pain was a mountain to climb for five years. My life was disrupted, and I became isolated from the familiar, being away from my friends, away from what I was used to love or used to doing. And it was super hard to embrace becoming something new. But what I discovered on the other side was a life I loved even more. And Paul articulates it this way in in his letter to the Corinthian. It won't be up on the screen, but maybe you just close your eyes while I'm reading this. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. but here what Paul is saying, there must be a freedom in this life to acknowledge and share in each other's pains, sufferings, and shortcomings, even in death, with tender hearts, as we simultaneously believe in the power of God to sustain and shape us to become a more virtuous people. To grow in these virtues is open-handed. And it is what true fasting and true worship looks like for the family of God. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah up on the screen. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. You never really understand a person until you climb into their their skin and walk around in it. Jesus was often moved by compassion. He spontaneously reached out to touch, to feed, to hold, to clothe. So compassion, mercy, and the tender heart are pillar virtues, in our vocation as the people of God or God's family because it reveals the intimacy of Jesus among us. Some of you may know about what's happening in Canada right now. Um, but there's an indigenous cry to be heard and fully known right now in Canada. And it's unearthing sort of a, a social crisis because it's been happening for centuries. For decades, and my brother is heavenly, heavily, almost heavenly, but heavily involved with uh, the next generation, the young generation that is coming, that are rediscovering their identity, their heritage, their voice, their customs, even in their spiritual practices. History has been erased from them; lineages erased. Some have had to grow up. They they don't. Even, they never knew their parents, you know. And now they're discovering unmarked graves everywhere. Residential schools that went up um, in the time when basically they were displaced and their land was basically stolen from them. And the residential schools were were propped there so that they could become more like the settlers. And over history. Um, yeah, over history they just they they were erased. They were erased. And now they're all just asking the question. They're they're wondering, they're crying out, we need to be heard. And they're discovering unmarked graves. You know, 300, 700 is a re- reconciliation action right now happening in Canada to unmark 88,000 unmarked graves. How do we listen? I talked to my brother, I'm like, how, what can I do to help? And a lot of people go to him and say, how can I help? And my brother said, the best thing that you could do is listen. Listen. And in light of today's virtues, tender heart, being, carrying ourselves with a tender heart, and being compassionate and merciful, man, like listening is central to the, these virtues. Learning how to listen. And in light of the cross of Christ, even more so for Christians, We're called to be affected by and responsive to all that comes with being fully human. And that includes suffering and death and people who have had their histories erased. And they're rediscovering their voice. But in light of society that we live in right now, how do we keep ourselves soft when the world makes it so easy for us to get bitter? and to kind of shrink back and get apathetic or get lazy and not engage with the complexity of it all. How do we keep ourselves soft? How can we become a more compassionate and merciful people? I know I'm repeating myself, but repetition works, I'm telling you. Learn how to listen to one another, to those around you, we must move from this postmodern idea of I think therefore I am to there's no me without you. I can't be fully me without you. Even the stranger. So we must move from that kind of thinking that we've picked up over the years to I, of I think therefore I am. I do whatever I want. I do whatever I think is right. Whatever is shaping me is okay. I think, therefore I am, to there's no me without you. Let's discover this together. Let's discover the fullness of what this looks like together. So tell me about yourself so I can fully and truly learn to become myself. This applies to our relationship with Christ and our relationships with those around us. The Spirit is other-oriented. He's leading us to know more about Jesus. Don't act like you've arrived whether they're good or need more care. Sorry, the relationships around us. Whether they're good relationships even or need more care. So coexistence, especially in the body of Christ, brings clarity when we find ourselves idling in our spiritual journey. uh, journey. We must labor to share our lives and let people into our world to discover how God is making us into the image and likeness of his Son. So let's take a few moments to listen to the Spirit this morning. We cannot and will not fully experience the fullness of compassion and mercy if we don't address our own hardened hearts. So let's take a few moments just practice this to listen, to learn how to listen to the Spirit's voice, especially in this intimacy moment who am i being hard-hearted towards what am i being hard-hearted towards because sometimes it's a topic or something right it's not a person it's something that's being talked about but who am i being hard-hearted towards and who am i turning my back on if you need to take out your phone for this time we're going to put on some music It'll be two minutes, because I really want you to think about this. It's not something that, you know, whatever. But so take a few moments to ask God to soften your heart, to help you see who, this whom fully, or this thing fully. Who am I being hard-hearted towards? Or what? Who am I turning my back on? Doing that. Sorry, did not expect that to happen. So keep that for your week. We can cut the sad music. It's okay, we're really good at being sad here at City Beautiful, but you know we do it with joyful hearts. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> Compassion, you know, and mercy <laughs> is experienced when we outgrow our sort of self-imposed narcissism, and it's like adolescent narcissism, and move beyond our selfishness to the concerns of Christ in order to genuinely care for the genuinely care for the people around us. You know, so we're so tempted and vulnerable to engage daily in adolescent forms of behavior, like playing emotional games, crossing boundaries and expressing, expressing our affections, becoming infatuated or distracted by fads or people in culture or politics or even Christian community, and it manifests in displays of envy, jealousy, suspicion, disunity, distrust, all those terrible things. These vices withhold our attention Faithful presence and care to grow with those around us, despite our glaring differences. We're all different, but all our allegiance to King Jesus. The gospel isn't about self-assertion, but self-denial. Are up on the screen? It isn't about bullhorns, but towels. It isn't about our right to worship, but our obligation to serve, which makes us vulnerable to the wounded, the poor, the prisoner, and the oppressor. Kenneth Tanner. So compassion and mercy can only come from a gut-provoked desire to grow together as we engage with the resurrected Jesus and everyone we lock eyes with. To touch, to feed, to hold, and to clothe ourselves with Christ. Because truth is, we are all the least of these. Truth is, we are all sharing in this life together. And everyone we lock eyes with matters to God. And it starts with the healing and mending of this body. Of us in this place, in this space in this intimacy in this identity and this purpose it starts with healing and mending the mending of this body so as we enter as we enter into a time of response and remember all the love god has for us in his son we praise him it's the heart of worship ask him to lead you this week in the way of compassion and mercy He's with you. If you feel prompted to be prayed over in this time of response, maybe raise your hand or tap your neighbor on their shoulder and have them pray for you as we worship. And those who pray, let the Spirit guide your heart. Listen to pray and impart as He sees fit. So let's pray as we. I'm going to pray. As we head into this time of response, we should will pray out some scriptures. <laughs> so good. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Maybe y'all can rise. Maybe y'all can get up. And open your palms just to receive this and enter into this time of worship because it's worship that shapes us. We are what we worship. Open up your palms and receive this prayer. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Father, bind us together in remembered intimacy so we could become an increasingly tender-hearted people full of compassion and mercy.